Hello and welcome to the podcast, Making Amends. I am your host, Erica, and today's episode will be called, Are We Friends? Japan and the U.S. This episode will be focusing on the evils done to the Japanese people and how it influenced the U.S. If someone apologizes about an issue or argument you both had with each other, do you genuinely accept their apology and move on? Or do you keep it in the back of your mind and bring up the bitter past? I'll let you know that despite previous issues Japan and the US had between one another, they managed to reconcile and become friends after a history of racism and punishment. Good for them. It all started with World War II, when Japan decided to literally drop a bomb in the US. It happened in Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, and set off a battle between them which got the US involved in World War II. Let's address two issues here. Number one, the US was originally in isolation and did not want to be included in the war. Two, although the word bomb should be enough to explain why this was a bad thing, it occurred in a military base and killed over 2,000 soldiers along with destroying various ships. North America decided that the only reasonable choice they had left was to fight back. If they didn't, there was a possibility that there could be future bombings in important locations all over the country. This was utterly terrifying for the American citizens, as it meant they would go into a period of tough economy and deprivation of resources. But there was a group of people that had it harder because of said incident, and they were the Japanese individuals residing in the U.S. The Japanese found themselves stuck, as in a war, it's not a good time to move, is it? especially those who were Japanese Americans and had businesses from the previous or current generation would have found it challenging to pack up their bags and change citizenship after having to immigrate to the U.S. in the first place. Most of the Japanese Americans were located on the Pacific slash West Coast of the U.S. and had the previous members immigrate there during the early 1900s. Racism is a form of hatred displayed against a certain race. And after the attack on Pearl Harbor, people targeted all Japanese who lived in the U.S. They considered them quote-unquote aliens and did not want to be associated with them, even though most were American citizens at this point. There was an already known existence of racism against Asian individuals. Laws were passed that clearly screamed, we don't like you, without actually saying it. Case 1, Gentleman's Agreement, 1907, and Asiatic Barter Zone, 1917. Both regulations denied further access to America by Asians, particularly any of Japanese descent. Although the government had already discussed the terms with Japan as to what it would mean for their citizens to stay where they were, most had already taken the decision to relocate in the U.S. to build a new life where there was a better chance of seeing results from their hard work. Case 2. Chinese Exclusion Act, 1882. Similar to previous guidelines passed by officials, this law called out Chinese immigrants who worked in factories and saw their fellow American workers as competition. Air quotes, by the way. This also limited their possibility of resettlement in the country. Might be me, but I smell nationalism. No further comment. Like said before, these laws didn't stop the Japanese from migrating into the U.S. In my opinion, it more so encouraged them to do it and find a way around it. Question is, how do you go somewhere but 
not really be there. Now, before you embarrass yourself trying to figure it out, let me give you a hint. All states had to go through some process of being accepted and considered an actual place in North America, meaning this land was not legally the U.S.'s property and had no say as to what they could do with it. None of their existing laws applied to it either. Okay, now you can go take your guess. Hawaii was not a state yet. That, my friends, is a loophole. Meaning they were free to immigrate there without breaking any rules. But let's get something straight before we move on, though. The first generation of Japanese immigrants actually arrived in Hawaii because of a labor contract in 1885. This resulted in various groups of them working plantation units. They were called Issei and would be the first of most to constitute the Asian representation in Hawaii. With some background knowledge of how they got here exactly, we can move on to another event that correlates with racism and suspicion towards all Japanese residing in the U.S which is honestly being spied on. It wasn't uncommon for countries to be doubting each other during and after wars, but this issue was called Study of the Japanese Situation. That name doesn't sit right with me for various reasons, but for the sake of your sanity, I'll explain why they did such a thing. The government had their doubts corresponding to the loyalty of Japanese Americans towards the U.S., meaning if they were willing to fight and stand for it against any attacks or threats. Turns out, 90% agreed to defend it and were considered faithful. I hope you got that, because now, we will flash forward to the mayhem happening after the bombing. All fingers pointed to the Japanese who were tested and were supposedly loyal, and were now immediately enemies. Even government officials were being openly racist and encouraged bigotry, I shall now quote one of these leaders of the state, specifically of Idaho, Chase A. Clark. A good solution to the open parentheses, slur, close parentheses, problem would be to send them all back to Japan, then sink the island. They live like rats, breed like rats, and act like rats. Close quotes. Um, this xenophobia being openly accepted while said in public. That says something about how they thought patriotism was like, and honestly, how it was being represented. Two months later, the Executive Order 9066 was declared and passed. It stated the removal of any possible threat to America. This would be done by commanders and secretaries of war. Adding to it, they denied entry or exit of the country as well. Sadly, this regulation was made with a bias. Pretty obvious that it was aimed at all Japanese in the states, no matter their citizenship or loyalty. As said previously, people were removed from their homes and made to resettle somewhere where they wouldn't harm anyone else. The WRA, War Relocation Authorities, got involved and built concentration slash internment camps for the individuals who were to be excluded. In total, there were 10 camps, most made inland away from the west coast, isolated from society. All Japanese population were forced to register in the camps, even those who lived in Hawaii, the first and second generation. There were various words used to describe this change occurring to them. Some preferred softer terms like evacuation, when in reality, they were being removed from their communities without much say or opposition. Only a small quantity of belongings could be taken. Most even had to leave businesses behind as a result from it, 
losing over $350 million in sales. Plot twist is, it not only affected those who left, but those who stayed. The owners of local markets and shops were indeed Japanese, which meant that the economy took a punch to the gut. The camps were secluded, surrounded with barbed wire. They resembled prisons. Each person or family was given a space, and although they even got one, it was significantly small and didn't have personal toilets, laundry facilities, and showers, as these were considered communal. Props for all who accepted this imprisonment, but still try to keep positive and make it homely as possible. Some took up hobbies, others chose education, and few opted to keep a business going in hopes to make a finance while living in such conditions. Despite their already forced resettlement, the Nisei, second generation, please forgive me if I said that wrong, joined the military involuntarily, leaving others, some family, and were led by white commanders. This lasted around three years until the end of war was declared in 1944, and they were free to go back to old homes. Yes, this was good news because they were able to get out of camps, but they came back to, well, nothing. Their homes and businesses were taken, most sold and had no help to get back what was once theirs. The government issued no guidance for the people, and almost went silent about the whole situation altogether honestly. Almost 44 years later, a formal apology was given by President Ronald Reagan. The Civil Liberties Act was signed and passed, giving $20,000 to the each individual family who was a victim of this racial inequality. Before ending this episode, I want to answer a question that affects the America we see today. The America who supported the imprisonment of a race and believed it was the right thing to do. How do legacies of the past influence societies and shape contemporary history? As humans, we always want to dictate if something is right or wrong. But the problem relies on the fact that the belief of morals always changes, even if they are always the same. The government once agreed on the superiority of themselves, not as a congressional power, but as a race who is predominantly white. The society they ruled soon followed. They began to oppose anyone different than them and even called others aliens. The past will never, and I say this with absolute confidence, never be morally correct in its doings. The best we can do is to make sure it doesn't repeat itself. In 1944, the U.S. confirmed that the Korematsu vs. U.S. case was constitutional. The exclusion and isolation of a whole race was considered normal. In 2018, John Roberts rebuked it. Korematsu was a gravely wrong decision and expelled it from the Constitution with no regrets. We managed to see this problem and confirm, even if it was clearly obvious. It was not only a mistake for the U.S., but for humanity itself. Thank you. P.S. Japan and America are friends now. They got through the wrongs and now live peacefully with each other present. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. And the episode. This will be the only episode. Let me make that clear. <laughs>